seated. The text for the sermon this day is taken from the Old Testament reading, specifically these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So to put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. That is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So the readings today we are using, by the way, if you didn't notice, they are some of the shortest readings of the entire church calendar, but they are tied to tomorrow, which is the eighth day after Christmas, which is the circumcision and naming of Jesus. Hence the reason the hymn was just Jesus, name of wondrous love. So there's an emphasis on Jesus' name. But I would like for you to imagine that you lived in 100 A.D., you are a Christian, and it is that time of the week, and it is time to go and attend the divine liturgy, the divine service or worship. In ancient world, it was called the divine liturgia. So it comes to that time. Where do you think you're? Where do you think you will be meeting? Do you think you'll be meeting in a building like this? No. Do you think you'll be meeting in a building like you would find at some of those old cathedrals in Europe? Nope, not even like that. Now, it might be easy to say, well, probably in a house like I live in. Well, 50 years prior to that, people were meeting houses, but they weren't like the house that you live in. Actually, they were bigger than the house that you live in. A lot of people don't know that when they make a big deal about the house worship. What they worshipped in were basically mansions were really big houses. But that's not where they worshipped at around 100. At around 100 AD, they would have been worshipping in caves and catacombs. Now, at what time of the day do you think you would be worshipping? You think you'd be worshipping at 10 o'clock when the sun is shining high and you got a good, good amount of sleep in? Nope. Typically, they would meet anywhere from 11 o'clock at night and 4 in the morning. Do you know why they did that? Persecution. They had to meet in the night. They had to meet in a disclosed place so that no one would know where they are at. And so they would gather where they would worship, and they would begin with these words. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. The light no darkness can overcome. With a single candle, the church would be pitch black. Well, not the church, wherever they're meeting, which technically that is the church. So where they were meeting, there would be one candle at the entryway. And the, the bishop would preach, or the pastor, or the elder, or whatever they would call him, he would just simply say, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. The light no darkness can overcome. Because you see, the people in that time, they were surrounded by persecution. Christians were being executed left and right. They, were wa they would walk the streets of Rome and see the burning bodies of their friends lighting the streets of the city. The apostles, with the exception of John, had all been dead for quite some time. 
And the thing is, the people who were carrying out the execution were a lot of times parents, children, spouses, siblings, neighbors, good, your, some of your best friends were the ones who were handing you over to be executed in quite brutal fashion. So as they were living in a world where darkness seemed to be overcoming, they hear those words with that candle in the back, Jesus Christ is the light of the world, the light no darkness can overcome. No matter how dark the catacombs or the caves may be, it cannot overcome the light of that candle. They'll see it very well. So also, a reminder that no matter how dark the world, it cannot overcome the light that is Christ. He would proceed and he'd, end, he'd stand in the middle and he'd say, Stay with us, Lord, for it is evening and the day is almost over, echoing the words from the Gospel of Luke. And again, he'd move forward to the front, to the front of the people. He'd say, Let your light scatter the darkness and illumine your church. And by the way, at that time, so the candle, the candle would be standing bright, and eventually what they would start to do, because they didn't have electricity like we do, they would start eventually at each point where the, everybody would have candles, and they light one candle at a time as the light of Christ would scatter the darkness and illumine the church. And then there would be the ancient hymn, the hymn that, by the way, if you're not catching on, we just did all of these things. The ancient hymn known as the Fools Hilaron, that they believe probably dates about some point into the late first century. You come to the front and say, Joyous light of glory is the candle lifted high. Joyous light of glory of the immortal Father, heavenly, holy, blessed Jesus Christ, we have come to the setting of the sun. And they'd go on. All of it is a reminder to them. Is there living in the midst of darkness? Is there living in the midst of great persecution? That the light of Christ shines. The joyous light of glory shines in the darkness. Yes, the part of the liturgy we, just, we began tonight with is a very ancient worship practice. It goes back, it actually predates some of the books of the Bible. Revelation had not been finished yet when they were doing this. The Gospel of John was probably just, had just recently been finished as the hot off the press book. But the thing is, it's such a fitting way to end a year and enter into a new year. Because while we are at the setting of the sun, we are also at the setting of 2020. And as we come to an end of 2020, we see a year that was challenging. It was difficult. And so we have words still to this day to comfort us. The words that you heard in the Old Testament reading, the words that you're going to hear in a little bit. So going to the very end of the service, the Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face shine to shine upon you, to be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. To which you say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Words carrying the same point to comfort you. And I know it's hard to think that in 2020, the year that it was, did God really bless us and keep us? Well, there's a Babylon Bee article. Anybody know what the Babylon Bee is? Okay, it's a satirical news network. But they put a really neat, nice article. It's actually quite a, back in early December, they said, it says, 2020 rated worst year ever, provided you never lived at any other time in history. So the point being, yes, 2020 was rough, but here's the thing, I like this part where it really highlights. We notice that most of the respondents who called 2020 the worst year also by delicious food being delivered to them for eight months, sometimes air conditioning on, and binge-watched shows the whole time, said one researcher. While we understand it has not been easy, they also found very few instances of Viking raids, Black Plague, famine, world war, using rotary telephones, needing to look things up in a physical dictionary, slavery, people being burned at the stake, walking miles to school, living in caves, sleeping on the ground, ice ages, Nazi holocaust, civil war, infant mortality, global floods, ethnic cleansing, using leaves as toilet paper, using leeches as medicine, using wooden mallets as an anesthetic, fighting wild saber-toothed tigers, cannibalism, occupation by Persian Empire. Notice everything I said. That is something that people somewhere in the history of the world had to do. But you didn't in the last year. Yes, the Lord has blessed us and kept us. But even people that lived in an age like this, he still blesses and keeps them. Because at the very least, you have life itself. You have the light of the world. You have the beauty of creation. The Lord blesses you and keeps you. And by the way, and I, as I talked about this two weeks ago, for the last Sunday in Advent, we, don't, we, ha we have to get over the habit not to say, may the Lord bless you and keep you, because the word may in our modern language means I hope Jesus will, I hope the Lord will bless you and keep you. But that's not what we're saying. We're not saying we hope. We're saying he does bless you and keep you. The word may changed its, its language. Words change their definitions. But yes, the Lord blesses you and keep you. If you ever need a reminder, just pull out your small catechism and read the first article of the creed. And look at all the things he's given you. Just feel, do you have ears? You don't touch your eyes. You know, you're not supposed to touch your eyes. But you can, you have some idea. You have eyes. You have a nose. You have a mouth. You have a, you're able to eat food. You have so much for which to say you're blessed. But of course, our sinful nature does not want us to ever think that we're blessed. Our sinful nature wants to think that everything is broken. Nothing is good. Woe are we. We are falling apart. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. His face shines upon you. Grace. So the gospel of Jesus Christ, at the core of it is that you were born in rebellion. You are a sinner. 
The fact that we complain that we are not blessed, that the Lord doesn't keep us the way we want. Now, we may not use those exact words, but we have that type of attitude. Shows that we are dirty, rotten sinners. We, if you're trying, you want to look back on 2020 and say, you know, I think I've been pretty good. I think God will let me in on my merits this year. You won't. Because he sees every little itty-bitty sin that you made. You ever think of those montages they always do at the end of the year? Anybody would want to see a montage of all the sins they've committed in the last year? The last week? And yet... He makes his face to shine on us. And he is gracious to us. Most specifically is this scene as last week we celebrated Christmas. Today we celebrate the circumcision, which is the point when Jesus first shed blood in obedience to the law. And he received the name Jesus, which literally means Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves us through this child who shed his blood in the, the legal obedience of circumcision, foreshadowing the fact that he himself would eventually shed all of his blood upon a cross in order to fulfill the law, to bring salvation to you, to be gracious to you. No matter how grave the year may be, and let's say we do live in a year like that, as those things that I went off a list of, you know what? His grace still abounds. He is still gracious to you. He doesn't, oh, the world has gone too bad. I can't forgive you anymore. There is no limit to the grace of God. There is no limit to the grace of Christ. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. God loves me dearly. He does grant you salvation. Yes, we're going to sing both of those in a little bit. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Countenance. Lift up his countenance. That means the God who created everything smiles on you. Think about that. God smiles on you. Why? Because there's something so wonderful about you? No, it's because he created you. That's the first reason. God created you. I remember go back to, and maybe some of you were at the, out of curiosity, were any of you at the LWML convention in Des Moines a few years ago? Ah, nobody. Okay. Anyways, though, there was one in Des Moines back when I was no cheating, so it wasn't that long ago. But I remember there was a speech by President Lamb, who was the, um, at the time, he was the president of Lutherans for Life. And he gave the speech and talking about this, I think it was a tapestry or a piano or something like that. And he talked about how it had great value not because of the piano or whatever it was he was talking about, but because it belonged to his grandmother. The value was not the item, but who it came from. Similarly, you are not valuable. You are not valued. God does not smile upon you because of anything special in and of yourself. 
but because you belong to God. He created you in his image. And even more than that, he smiles upon you, especially as one who has been baptized into his name. The hymn we're going to close with tonight is God's own child, I gladly say it. A wonderful hymn that somehow got lost amongst Americans because it was written in the 1600s, got stuck in the German, did not get translated until 1990. So, but, so your ancestors probably knew it, we don't as well. But the hymn is so wonderful. It's a hymn that I am a proponent. It should be at every single funeral. Because, and it's a wonderful hymn to go into 2021 with, or to end 2020 with. No matter what the world is throwing at you, God's own child, I gladly say it. I am baptized into Christ. I am a child of paradise. The, that, for that reason, God lifts up his counsels upon you. you know, the Lord smiles on you and gives you peace. The victory, the grace that was won by the cross is given to you, delivered to you in the waters of baptism where you are claimed as a child of God. The epistle lesson, it says, for as many of you were, as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Notice it didn't say some of you who were baptized put on Christ. It says as many of you. If you were baptized into Christ, you are clothed in Christ. Which means that when God the Father, when Yahweh the Lord looks upon you, he sees his Son. He sees not the slave to sin, but his son and an heir of paradise. Satan, you could drop your ugly accusations, the hymn says. Death, you cannot end my gladness. We are baptized into Christ. You are baptized in Christ. 2021, I have no clue what it's going to be like. I don't know if it's going to be better, if it's going to be better than 2020. It could be worse than 2020. It could be the, exactly the same as 2020. I have no clue. But do you know what? Everything we've got, all of those things we've been going through in the service today hold true. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. No darkness can overcome it. No matter how dark the world may be get. And think about it. Notice as I'm talking about some of these parts of the liturgy, the benediction, that's from Numbers. So that dates back to somewhere around mid-2nd century B.C., all right? The words of the service of life dates to the 1st century. The hymns that I'm talking about, some of them date to the 1800s, some to the 1600s. Do you notice that God's people still exist through all of that? All of those things that I just listed earlier? All of those troubles of ages past? The church still stood? Which, by the way, is one of the reasons why we hold on to some of these ancient practices. To remind you, the church has gone through with a lot worse than what we've experienced in 2020, and it still stands. The light of Christ still shines no matter how dark it's gotten. 
It means that even though kingdoms have come and gone, Christ still reigns as king. It means that yes, indeed, the Lord continues to bless you and keep you. The Lord continues to make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift, does continue to lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And indeed, his name is upon his people. Placed in the waters of baptism, you are God's own child. What a message, what a hope. The cruel thou that did you notice that we intentionally turned on the cross just as he said, hold thou thy cross for my closing eyes. Hold thou thy cross through 2020, till midnight, 2021, 2022, 2050, whatever. Hold the cross, the victory Christ, until his kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen.